Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that we can be here this morning. Lord, thank you that you are the God who is worthy of all praise and honor and thanks. Lord, that you are worthy of all glory. And Father, I pray that this morning you would reveal more of your glory to us. Lord Jesus, may you show us more of who you are. Lord, my, may, we, may we honor you more as we ought. Thank you, Father, that your word is truth and that your, your truth guides us into holiness. And in holiness, we see you as you are. Lord, help us now to, to discern what you would have us hear this morning. Father, open our hearts, I pray. Open our minds, and Lord, that we would not only hear, but that we would hear you speaking to us. And I dare to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would use me this morning. Amen. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting? where people are praying and you start to feel really guilty because you're not praying with them, you're listening to them. <laughs> I, that's, I, I guess we shouldn't do but sometimes we just we start listening to how people are praying. And, and we start hopefully listening to what they're praying as well and, and saying, right, do I agree with that? And are, are they on the same page as me? I've sat in prayer meetings with, with charismatic people who go mad when they're praying. And, 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 and I learned something about their theology from how they pray. In fact, I suspect that, that it's as we listen to each other pray that we really start to, to see where the person praying is at in their faith. How are they relating to God? How are they relating to the Father? How are they... Is it just talking? Is, is, do you get a sense of a conversation? Do you get a sense that this is, this is something which, which is natural, which is just, this is just who they are. They're just speaking to dad. It's not ideal to listen to each other like that because some of us get nervous when we pray in public. And, and, and our prayers in public, don't necessarily reflect our relationship with the Father. But you know, this morning, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, not the one in Matthew. <laughs> That's the disciples' prayer. This morning, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, the prayer of Jesus, in John chapter 17. As he is on his way towards being arrested, in fact, these are the last words he speaks before the, the soldiers come to take him. And John has recorded this prayer because I think he wants us to listen in. And you know, as we listen in to what Jesus prays, and, and we get a glimpse of, of his relationship with the Father, not only do we not only do we, do we learn something of, of who Jesus is, but, but we learn something of his priorities. And we'll see what Jesus wants for us. And we'll see that the most amazing thing, the last thing Jesus prays before being arrested, going to be arrested, the last thing he prays is that he would be with you. 
and with me. And that's just mind-blowing to me. I don't know if, if, if I knew I was going to be arrested and executed within the space of, of maybe an hour. What would I pray? Father, take it away. Let's hear what Jesus says. John chapter 17. I'm going to After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. You have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God. And and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth, I I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it. And they know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those whom you have given me. Because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you. And you have given them to me so they bring glory to me. Now I am departing from this world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the the one headed for destruction as the Scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to this world just as I do not belong to this world. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, so I am sending them into the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. And I'm not praying only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples, they know that you sent me. I've revealed you to them. I will continue to do so. And then your love for me will be in them. And I 
will be in me. And so saying, Jesus crossed over the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered the Olive Grove. When you start thinking about a prayer like that, that is just so powerful, so full of emotion. Don't don't you just hear Jesus' concern for you and I and his disciples and the Father's glory just just dripping from every single word. There's three bits, three three main things that Jesus prays for. Verses 1 to 9, Jesus prays for himself. Then verses, um, oh, I think it's about verse 10 onwards, he, well, 9 onwards to 19, he prays for his disciples. And then from chapter 17, verse 20, to the end of chapter 17, Jesus prays, for you and I today. It's actually the longest prayer we have recorded of Jesus in the Bible. And maybe we just, before we go any further, we need to just stop and say, Jesus prayed. Prayer is one of those things which, which it's, it's easy to, to not do. And yet our example from Jesus is to spend time with the Lord, with the Father, to, to foster this relationship. To, I mean, you, you don't have a very good relationship with somebody if you don't spend time with them, if you don't pray with them. But you know, as, as we read the first nine verses, as Jesus is praying for himself, what, what he prays, is, is so different to, to what we often pray. Quite often when we go to the Lord, we, maybe we kneel down and we say, Father, how are you doing this morning? Where's my list? Can I have um, this, 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 this? And we bring this shopping list up. Lord, I, I really need that new Ferrari by tomorrow if we can. Probably not that extreme. Father, I really need you to heal Aunt Mavis. Father, would you do this? Father, would you do this for me? Lord, would you do this for my child at school tomorrow? Lord, would you do that for the next person? We come with a shopping list of of things that that we want God to do for us. Is that wrong? No, not necessarily, God. God loves to give good gifts to his children. Jesus says so. But, but just look at how Jesus prays. You see, for Jesus, even though he's praying for himself, he is not the ultimate object of his prayer. Look at what he says. Father, glorify your son. Why? so that I can give glory back to you. This glory, doxa, from doxology, to give a doxology is to give glory, is to praise, is to 
honor is to, to lift high. Says Jesus, Lord, Father, lift me high so that I in turn can lift you high so that I can honor you. Yes, I, I desire the honor which I had before the creation of the world, but ultimately what I want is, is not that significant. What I want is that you be seen as awesome and mighty and glorious. I want the world to see you as you are. And how does Jesus glorify God? And he says to us, Father, glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. This is eternal life to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth. How? By completing the work you gave me to do. Father, I have brought glory to your name. I have caused people to lift you up and say what a mighty, wonderful God you are by doing the job that you gave me. By completing the work that you gave me. By, by coming to this world, by being the incarnate Son of God, by living this life, by doing this ministry, by serving the, the world which has turned against us. Father, I have, I, have, I have healed the sick. I've given sight to the blind. I've, I've made the lame walk. Father, I have completed the work you have given me even now as I'm on the way to the cross. I believe Jesus is speaking ahead and saying, I have completed. The hour has come. It's done. It just has to happen. And in my doing this work, I have glorified you. you know, at the beginning of John, John chapter 1 verse 14, brilliant introduction to John. John says, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. How? In the life of Jesus. was revealed God's glory to us. And I do believe that, that we see Jesus' glory, God's glory. We, we lift God up as we see what Jesus does in His ministry. But, but ultimately, what glorifies God the most, what lifts His name the highest, says Jesus there in verse 2, in verse 3, is the granting of eternal life. This is eternal life to know Jesus. The one, well, to know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Father, glorify me. Because I give life to the dead. Is that not worthy of praise? 
Is that not worthy of, of just so much honor? And really, who is it that glorifies God in you through the work of Jesus Christ? Is it not you and I who have been given this new life? We could go all theological here and say, right, let's have a talk about predestination. Let's talk about who does, who does Jesus actually mean when he refers to those you have given me, Father. He says it a few times. In fact, this idea of, of God giving, uh, we see it 12 times in this prayer. And we add in the times when Jesus gives to us, 16 times we hear about God giving. This is, this is a prayer which reflects on God's giving. Who are these, the ones that you gave me? Well, in verses 6 and 9, it it's, seems to be referring to the disciples. Um, remember, Jesus has got a structure to his prayer. He starts for himself, verses 1 to 8. Verses 9 to 19, he's speaking about his disciples then and there those who had walked with him, those who he was about to leave for a little while while he descended to hell and was then raised up. And then he goes on in verse 20 and he speaks to those who are to believe through the disciples. The ones you gave me seems to, to refer to the disciples in, in verse 6 to 9, as I say. You can even say it refers to them in verse 24. to us as well, does God has given you and I to Jesus Christ. And how do we know that? Verse 22. Verse 22, Jesus says, speaking of those who were to believe the message of the disciples, speaking of you and I, He says, I have given them my glory which you gave me, Father. Already, now, before the cross, before my death, before my resurrection, I have glorified these who are going to be believers in me. Because as Jesus says, everything he has comes from the Father. It is, it is a, a complex issue. We're not going to go into it in detail. Uh, do note that even in this prayer, Jesus speaks about the, the gifting of God, but also about the need for obedience. He says, these disciples you have given me, Father, they have, they have been given to me and they have obeyed. And he goes on and, and he speaks about, in verse 20, he says, uh, I'm giving my glory to those who have believed the message that has been handed down. But it's about glory. This is this perfect circle of glory. You know, before, before the Lord created all things, God in himself was glorifying himself. The Son would glorify the Father. The, the Father would glorify the Son. The, the Spirit would glorify... There's this... There's this glory party happening because God is glorious. 
and for God to look at, at the other person, for one person of the Trinity to look at another person of the Trinity and, 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 and not say how glorious would be impossible to imagine. That's why Jesus says, Father, uh, take me back so that I can share the glory I had with you before the creation of the world. What does Philippians 2 say? That when Jesus became incarnate, he humbled himself, taking on a form of like, like one of us. What did he do? He set aside his glory. And this is, you know, in maths you get infinity. You know, two kids. Uh uh-uh, uh, infinity. Uh uh-uh, uh, infinity plus one. How do you add anything to infinity? And before the creation of the world, God was infinitely glorious. And yet, Christ has brought new glory to God through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. The, the glory that, that the Father and the Son and the Godhead share and that we have been given is, 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 is new and yet old. Suppose you add glory to glory, you just get, ooh, brilliant glory. That's what Jesus prays for himself, not Father, give me this, 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 but Father, glorify your name. And thank you for what you have given me. And then he turns in verse 9 and he says, I pray. Each of the sections here begin with the words, I pray. Father, I pray not for the world. What? doesn't mean Jesus isn't concerned for the world. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But here as he is approaching the cross and he sees the angriness of, of the evil one, Satan himself against him and allied against his, his disciples there, he, he says, Father, I, I really want you to protect these precious 11 men. We should probably expand it. Protect all of these people who have followed you. Because just as, just as I have brought glory to your name, so they bring glory to me. So these disciples of mine point to me and say, how awesome is he? Is he not the king of love? Is he not the Lord of all? How majestic is he? Father, you have given me glory, but they give me glory. Because they do what I say. I give you glory by doing what you say. They give me glory by following my commands. Jesus, Jesus understood that, that 
we are not like him. You know, this is hours before his death and Jesus is able to say, Father, I have already glorified you. But he thinks of his disciples and he says, Father, they have glorified me, but they need so much protection right now. Because if the world hates me, how will it feel about them? Because they have associated themselves with me, that they're not the same anymore. You know what, if, if you move to another, another country, your accent will change. You might not notice it, but it will change. And then if you try and go back home, your accent will, will not be the same. You, you, you can't, you'll never have an accent of a particular country unless you're really keen. Anyway, that destroys the illustration. <laughs> My brother was really keen. He lost his accent. But, but the point is that, that when we change our relationship with God, who we are is forever changed. Through Jesus' association with us, who we are is forever changed. Yesterday I was listening to um, the BBC World Service and they were talking about gangs in London. And there was just this, this story of, of a young lad who says he was walking through one of the estates and somebody assumed that he was a member of another gang. He says he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. We needed protection. Says Jesus, we are in the right place at the right time. And yet it is not a safe place. We are aliens. We are strangers. What is it that can protect us? Says Jesus, while I was with him, I kept him safe. By the power of of the name you gave me, I kept them safe. And by that same power of your name, Lord, you please keep them safe. Do not let them fall. Do not let them give in to the evil one. Father, they are going to be attacked. They are going to be... Lord, just protect them by the power of your name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Says Proverbs. And the righteous will run to it and be safe. It's not a magic name. I, I, I forbid you in the name of Jesus. That's, that's not what we're talking about. When the Bible speaks of somebody's name, it's, it's speaking about that person's character, that, that person's whole self. It says Jesus, while I was with my disciples, my whole self was there protecting them. And, and, and what they need now is no less. They need God to protect them. I 
And I think we need to say this was addressed specifically to the disciples back then who were about to face the crowds, who were about to face the very people who had just put Jesus to death. But it stays true today, doesn't it? We need the protection of God today as much as ever before. Because although the enemy is defeated, although the enemy has been vanquished, the evil one would still do his utmost to drag us away from God and, and, and my brothers and sisters, let's be honest. I doubt very many of us, I doubt any of us have the power in ourselves to stop that. Save him, Jesus. Save by the power of his name. And so Jesus finishes. And it just gets me every time I read the last few verses that Jesus is on his way to his death and he prays for me. And he prays for you. And he says, Father, these, these 12, you will protect them and they will pass on this good news. They will continue my mission to, to share the news of your kingdom with this world. And Lord, they will have disciples. And Lord, would you just be with them? I have given them my glory. Who feels glorious this morning? That's strange, isn't it? <laughs> You know what, I, I just love the stories of Moses as he came from meeting the Lord and his face was just shining with the glory of the Lord. And Moses never saw God face to face. And yet Jesus says, yeah, I have given them my glory, the glory of the one and only who has come from the Father. It is in us. I am glorious. Woohoo. What does glory look like? Radiant. Glory is two things. That's joy. Says Jesus that they may <laughs> there is glory right over there. <laughs> Jesus says, I have filled them with let me read it for you over there. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me and I'm in you. I've given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, that you love them as much as you love me. That's not the bit I was looking for there. Anyway, a little bit further up. It says, may they be filled with joy. May they be filled with joy. 
Now, this is not the, oh, things are really bad, but I'm going to... I'm suffering today, but I'm full of joy. You know, Jesus has just prayed and said, Father, these guys need protection. Because the evil one is arrayed against them. He's arrayed against me. And yet they are filled with my joy. A joy that sees beyond today. A joy that says we have known the glory of God and, and one day we will see God in all of His glory. Says Jesus at the end of the prayer, my, my one request, Father, is that they will be with me and they will see Your glory. Wow! Now try and tell me that that is not something to look forward to. You know, like, like when you're you, you've got a birthday and there's a present waiting on the table and it's a really big one. And, and you're just waiting for the chance that you can open this. It says Jesus, you, you have seen something of the glory, but it is waiting for you and I'm coming back and you will know my joy because you will know my glory. How? I think it's up a little bit in the disciples' part of the prayer where Jesus says, what we need is the truth. What we need is the word. What we need is, is time with God. Verse 11. That's where it is. 17 verse 11. I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Take them by the power of your name so they will be united as we are. So that they will have your joy, says the NIV. Joy comes from spending time with the Word of God. You know, this, this is a great prayer of Jesus, and it's, it's full of emotion, it's full of concern. It's full of joy, is it not? Father, glorify your name. You are so wonderful. In the end, Father, may they see your glory. There's another side to what it means for us to have the glory of God. It, it, it means for us to reflect something of the character and name and person of God. And Jesus repeats it three or four times. He says, may they be one as we are one. You know what? The glory of God shines the most clearly in the church when the church stands together. When the church stands together. What? What? an example to the world that is when they see a community of love a community of, of concern a community of, of passion a community driven by the mission of sharing the news of the kingdom now what damage is done when we have factions we have divisions. I want to tell you about this great glorious God who, who loves you so much, and, and I'm not speaking to my brother right now because he's a nasty so-so. 
Let me finish. Let me finish there. Oh, that our prayer as a church. In fact, I want to challenge each and every single one of us every morning for the next week, for the next month, to, to start our day and say, Father, glorify your name. You have given me your name. And I know that you want nothing better than to, to have me with you seeing your glory. Lord, reflect that in my life. Lord, reflect that in my church. Lord, make us radiant, full of joy. Glorify your name. In all the earth, yes, but in me, my church, my family. Amen.